countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey! It is now time for more of the last comic shop! That's right, we are opening up the shop to newbies to help them find their way underneath the comic book tent. And we're keeping the lights on for the oldies, because what else do they have to do? <laughs> you know what? What else do they have to do except listen to I, I'll tell you what they're doing. They're rebagging their old long boxes. They're taking them out, and they're putting them in new Mylar bags. See? And, and what do they do? They listen to our show while they're doing that. That's right. So we're providing all those fans with just somebody to listen to while they're doing some mindless tacks. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott. And hopefully uh, you won't find our podcast too mindless. And, and not just rebagging. They're probably reordering them. Like, I've been reading the whole X-Men Dawn of X run where they do it book by book, month by month. Okay. So month one, you get all the books that came out in month one. Month two, you get all the books that came out in month two. So instead of having all the X-Men books together and all the X-Factor books together and all the X-Force books together, you have them all jammed together but by month. So it's linear by time. Dude, 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 dude. Same thing this week. I stumbled into one of the local comic shop. They were doing their half-off used book sales. And I got the Jack Kirby Fourth World Omnibus, and yes. it's set up the exact same way. Where I guess whenever he was producing these, you had the Jimmy Olsen books, but then once he started with uh, the Forever People and Mister Miracle and uh, the New Gods, one issue would come out every three weeks. So it would take like two months to go through the whole cycle. This huge, huge omnibus I got presents it as the stuff came out and we actually did a new god show here on uh, last comic shop i think we might have done it wrong i think we need to go back and read all 1500 pages of jack Kirby's fourth world saga and get each book month to month and see if it makes any more sense i don't know if it will but it'll be awesome i wouldn't mind but ja hated that book yeah i'm just saying we're we're closing the shop sorry guys shop's closed today (laughs) <laughs> so, but yeah, we're, we're, well, we're not talking about neither Dawn of X on today's program, nor are we talking about uh, Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank Granny goodness, who's here in the Fourth World. All fifteen hundred pages of it, buddy. All fifteen hundred pages. <laughs> Will you guys knock it off? I gotta get to the show. Now, this is the show. This now on today's program, we've got a little bit of a shorter storyline. You know, not fifteen hundred pages. It probably clocks in at closer to like I don't know one twenty or something when it's all said and done because it's only five issues. It is amazing fantasy. This five uh, issue limited series that was put out uh, last year by Kari Andrews. And the reason why we're do- we're reviewing it this week is because it's actually going to be released in Treasury Edition tomorrow. The last comic shop's favorite comic book format. We love those exercise pages. We've got, like, old man eyes now, so we need big <laughs> That's right. Anything embiggened. I'm a fan <laughs> of embiggening. So, yes, it's going to be released in Treasury. So if you haven't had an opportunity to pick up today's book... Uh, you can get it in Treasury tomorrow, uh, but hopefully you have so that you can follow along with our read pile review after the commercial break. And I was going to say eagle-eared listeners. I don't I don't know how good eagles hear. But 
they might remember this was actually my recommendation for J.A. and our last holiday show because I th- oh. I had read the first two or three issues and I'm like, Captain America on a flying uh, lion? That's right up J.A.'s alley. Yeah, we're, we're coming to fruition there on that. So Right. You know what? Maybe next week we'll have to hit upon some of our other recommendations that we did at the Christmas time. Maybe I'll finally have to talk about Spider-Man 2099. Maybe that'll be on next week's show. But on this week's show, we've got a recap of something else. Our weekly polls. That's right. You may not know, but hopefully you do, that every Wednesday here on The Last Comic Shop's Twitter page, at Last Comic Shop, J.A. Scott is wonderful enough to put out a Twitter poll for all of our fans something that you can vote on and it's traditionally involves the book that uh, we were reviewing that particular week and uh, periodically we like to come out on on these programs and we like to recap some of the results of those polls so ja without further ado i think we've got five polls on today's program to recap and uh, we're going to go back into that distant past to look at norse mythology's poll as our first one correct Correct. It was, who is the best Norse god? Thor, Loki, Odin, or Heimdall? Uh, we, we had lots of other Norse gods that we could have added there. Fitter, or Vidar, or Tyr, but it was really Thor's to lose. Loki, Odin, and Heimdall all kind of around the same, with Thor well in the lead at 38%. Likes their Norse mythology. The week uh, that show dropped, I actually uh, had a family vacate into the Disney, and we were out there in Epcot going around all the lands, and what do you know? They had a little Norse mythology tent in there, which was awesome. They had some cool little artifacts, and I'm reading some of the stories they had posted along the wall. Wouldn't you believe it? They had spoilers for Norse Mythology Volume 3. I was halfway through a story and it was already posted at Disney. (laughs) What the heck, guys? Which one was it? You can spoil it now for everybody else. Which one was it, Chad? It's uh, uh, Balder and uh, how nothing could kill him. Is that the mistletoe? Yes. Okay. Mm. Even I've heard of that one. Spoilers! Come on, that's like Achilles' heel. Like, everybody knows about the mistletoe. Well, I didn't. I was waiting for Norse Mythology Volume 3, Number 3 to come out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I I voted for Thor just because he's my favorite. I I, I thought that Loki actually was going to have a higher turnout for this because, I've you know, all the Tom Hiddleston fans coming out of Tom Handsome Man. Yes. (laughs) He's still pretty cool there, but I I voted for Odin. You know why? Because his superpower is napping. (laughs) (laughs) He does take the Odin sleep quite a lot. Poll number two, which coincided with our Superman 78 review. So this was involving the Man of Steel, right? Yes, the best Superman superpower. And... uh, there's obviously more than four superpowers Superman has, because sometimes he has all the superpowers, it seems. But we tried to distill it to four. Flying, super strength, his x-ray and heat vision, so anything coming out of his eyes. And then the super breath, his ability to hurricane force winds and freeze things by blowing them. It was funny because somebody commented on this particular poll that why we included super breath. And I said, well, it's because we're getting all those kickbacks from the Procter and Gamble folks. Why don't you plug Listerine more often? (laughs) (laughs) And that's the most useful of all the the powers. I mean, you go through the Starbucks line, you get your coffee and you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, wait, super breath. No, it's temperate. (laughs) Not included as a poll result was the ability to to win 
rip off the logo on your uniform and throw it at somebody and turn it into a giant sticky fly trash. That's right. The cellophane cape thing. No, that wasn't included. But but what did win, J.A.? Flying. Everyone likes to fly. 50% of the vote. Super uh-huh. strength was second. No one really cared about heat vision or the super breath. We're, we're like 9%, 7% vote. They're missing out. And I, I just saw this brought up the other day. What do you guys think about the Jerry Seinfeld argument that uh, Superman, with all of his natural abilities augmented by our yellow sun, would have a super sense of humor? Oh, I think so. I mean, why not? The Christopher Reeve Superman has a very dry sense of humor. Threw Margo under the bus a lot. (laughs) That's true. I was surprised, though, Jay, that you didn't include the super slouch. Because we talked about the super slouch, you know, I forgot that that was actually in the Superman movie where like yes. Christopher Reeves is like all hunched over and then he just straightens up and you're like, oh, look, there the it is. Yes. But that's a, that's, I feel that that is very Christopher Reeves specific because none of the other actors who played Superman, Clark Kent embodied that change so well and you only get that I think from a classically trained actor who had dance lessons and understood how to play off his body. Oh, see, J.A.'s got a Superman crush on Christopher Reeves. (laughs) All right, what was our poll number three, uh, J.A.? This coincided with Moon Knight, so we were looking at other movie stars in the Star Wars sequel trilogy that should cross over into the MCU. Obviously, this is because of Oscar Isaac coming over as Poe Dameron in Star Wars to be Moon Knight, so we were wondering who else should join him should it be daisy ridley playing betsy braddock or john boyega as dr voodoo or as chad suggested adam driver as namor that sexy son of a gun (laughs) and then i put in my uh my crush kelly marie tran as karma and looking back nothing against kelly marie tran but karma is just a meh character If I had picked a different character for her to play, maybe she would have done better. I think I was the only one who voted for her. And, and all of these were suggestions that we actually made on that Moon Knight show. So you, you, did you guys vote for your suggestions, or did you go off the reservation on this poll? I think I voted for Daisy because uh, Madam Driver just too sexy. <laughs> too sexy. Well, this guy voted for the eventual winner because even on the show, once Chad brought up Adam Driver as Namor, I said, oh, shit, is that inspired casting. And that won, right, by a landslide, right? Yeah, 53% of the vote. People just want to see Adam Driver without that shirt on. Too sexy! But I, I like this. I, I like that kind of thought experiment. And John Boyega as Doctor Voodoo, I thought was—I thought they were all good picks. I like—I could see it all, you know, happening. Especially, I, I really like the Betsy Braddock as Captain Britain. Daisy Ridley could do a lot with full Captain Britain, you know, stuff. And she'd look good with purple hair. Yeah, I think she yeah. could pull off the purple hair. That would be pretty cool. All right, so what was our fourth poll, J.A.? Uh, so this was uh, Best Superhero Accessory. So this went with our JLA Avengers crossover book. Uh, so we were just looking at, you know, of sort of the Avengers and JLA guys. What's the best superhero accessory? Is it Thor's hammer? Is it Greed Lantern's ring? Is it Cap's shield? Or is it Batman's utility belt? Which is actually more than one accessory. That's like a belt full of accessories, but, uh, you know... <laughs> 
if you're Superman, you'd want all of these. Because evidently, if there's anything we learned from JLA Avengers, Superman just likes going around and picking up other people's junk and being like, oh, this hammer, it's the best ever. I, I can't live without it. I love this shield, even though I'm bulletproof. That's not true. It's just another one of his superpowers. He's super nice. He's like, look, I'll make this feel important, Captain America. I don't really need a shield, but it sure is shiny. All right, J.A., what won this poll? Again, another one of these landslides, I think. Yes, Green Lantern's ring. I was thinking that Thor's hammer was going to take it, to be honest, or Cap Shield. Maybe that's my Marvel bias coming through, or my inherent uncontrolled (laughs) hatred for all things Green Lantern. I don't know. Again, I think somebody hit the nail on the head when they were like, yeah, if you have Green Lantern's ring, you can make any of these items. Like, you know, that's like a wish fulfillment thing. You can just make it. And I still think that's BS. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want a 3D printer. I'd rather have the actual item. Thank you. Right. It would be like a hammer, but green. Yeah. A shield, but green. Ah, no yeah. good. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Obviously, the correct answer should have been Thor's hammer, which is the coolest. Yes. No near. But my secret shame i voted for the ring because i'm not handy what am i gonna do with a hammer (laughs) but if i had that ring i could use that in comic shops i could flip through two boxes at once get that little extra green hand out there see now that's all i see is just this mental picture of you with like this big giant hand with like two huge fingers just like flipping through how would you see them though it's not like you have a separate set of eyes no, I can see two things at once. I just oh, can't, look don't at have you. the dexterity to multi multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> continuous partial attention, but it's good enough. <laughs> I did not vote for the Green Lantern ring, sir. I voted for Thor's hammer, and I stand behind it. it is the, it is the coolest? As opposed to look, I can make a little green jet ski. Woo! <laughs> Batman's utility belt can have all those things within it. Oh, you need a hammer? Let me get the hammer out of my utility belt. <laughs> my oh. bat hammer. You need, a, you need a you need a jet ski? Yep, I've got some I've got bat jet skis coming out of my <laughs> utility belt. All right. So what was our fifth poll, JA? All right. So for the last poll, we decided we wanted to do uh, best phase four MCU movie, but not include Spider-Man because we put Spider-Man and it's going to win in a landslide. So yeah. let's just do the three without Spider-Man. That way, it'll be a little bit more even. But it wasn't. Shang-Chi won in a landslide. <laughs> Obviously, it was what Black Widow, Black and Widow, Eternals. and Eternals. So I figured, right. well, Black Widow will get some votes, and Eternals will get no votes. I know, I, but it was interesting, right? Sometimes when we put these polls out, we'll get some retweets from folks, and it was weird. Black Widow, which is what I voted for, Eternals was kind of like neck and neck. They were they were running like second and third place, but it was like I don't know, like five percent for both of them. All of a sudden, somebody retweeted it. And, like, it went from 5% to a for Eternals to, like, 31%. Like, within, like, an hour. And I was just like, what's going on here? Who are these people that like that Eternals movie? Because none of us... Well, I mean, I guess J.A. did. J.A. was the most positive about the Eternals experience. But, J- uh, Chad, what did you vote for in this poll? Uh, honestly, it was a tough call because the more distance I get from all three, I'm like, eh, it was okay. I uh, really enjoyed the first two-thirds of Shang-Chi, so that, that's the one that got my vote. And I know that J.A. voted for Elena Belovna because that's... Yes, because, that's because she's a queen. I'm sorry, <laughs> Elena. I'm sorry. They know not what they do. 
all of these are kind of like a punt for me. Like, none of them were particularly good nor bad. Well, Eternals was bad. So, like, mm. oh, we'll just go with that. But the, the, the fans spoke, and it was like 50-some percent, right? It was like 52% or something for Shang-Chi. 65 for Shang-Chi. Wow! 55 of that for Tony Leung. <laughs> He is an ageless wonder. In any case, one other thing that is ageless is making sure that you check out our weekly polls every week because they're not going anywhere. Every Wednesday, last comic shop on Twitter. Uh, make sure that you check out these weekly polls that Jay is nice enough to post for us. And make sure that you stay put for our comic book review coming up right after these messages. It is amazing fantasy. Will it be fantastic? We'll see. Welcome to Making Nerds Cringe with Matt and Thad. And we're a podcast that retells comics' greatest stories. Poorly? Yeah, not too good. Well, we're out to have fun. That's true. It's full of uh, adult material. That's right. Shenanigans. That is correct, man. Inappropriate humor. You betcha. And a whole lot of other stuff that we're struggling to not say because it'll be bleeped out. That's right. Hey, give us a quick example. Well, for one, Galactus gets in an argument with a cashier. Oh! Doctor Doom episode. becomes a pimp. Oh! The Juggalos appear in a couple of episodes. That's right. They keep popping up. Why? Tune in to find out. That's right. And don't be rude to people who make your food. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and well, it's under Making Nerds Cringe. Every single one of them. So please give us a follow, or we will follow you home and notify yourself when we release things. Because that's what a good person would do all right we're back with more of the last comic shop it is now time for our read pile review yes that time when we look at comic books that were released recently sometimes and, and this one was actually it just came out last year and for those folks that are interested you can pick it up in treasury format tomorrow at your local comic shop on new comic book day so this is very timely for those people that might not have checked out before. It's called Amazing Fantasy. Yeah, Marvel and book, not a timely one, but carry on. Yeah, exactly. Who wants to do the creators and the 10 cent synopsis guys for this one? Uh, I'll do the creators. <laughs> yeah, they got the one. <laughs> oh, don't strain yourself. All right. So, Chad, you're, you're going to give us the 10 cent synopsis then? Absolutely. Good, because I, I need somebody to explain this book to me. <laughs> you're not going to get that, but let's see. <laughs> All right, J.A., who was the creator of Amazing Fantasy, this five-issue miniseries? So, written, scripted, and drawn, and also the the covers, everything, all done by Kari Kyle Andrews. Yes. Uh, and then you've got uh, letters by VCs Joe Sabina. And uh, we're pronouncing it Kari Andrews. Uh, if there's another pronunciation that we don't know about, I apologize ahead of time. Yeah. All right. The internet told me it rhymes with Atari, so do with that what you <laughs> Okay. <laughs> One thing we're, we're hopefully not going to apologize for is this 10 cent synopsis we're getting from Chad Smith. So, Chad, what <laughs> happens in these five issues? Okay, so it starts off in issue number one, where you see Captain America in World War II, and you see Black Widow back in her Red Room days, and you see a very early Spider-Man fighting the Green Goblin, and they all die. <laughs> And then issue two is they show up in this weird island where Uncle Ben is there and there are all these weird tribes and orcs and cat people and everybody's fighting over things and the Black Widow is ushered in to 
like the royal family or whatever. And then it turns out, oh, there's a uh, Oro Monroe is there. She's watching from the moon. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and then it continues to go on where, where they fight and then there's turns and someone's a bad guy. And then it feels like they needed to wrap it up real quick. So they just said, ah, whatever, it's over. And that's the end. <laughs> And I'm so glad that you brought that part up at the end, because boy, did I think that five issues for this particular story did not do this story justice at all. This is sincerely an epic yarn. My initial thought is like, there's a lot that's set up in the first two issues, like an incredible amount, like enough to set up an entire other separate Marvel universe, its own mythology. And like, I don't know, it's like dumping you on the lost Island, you know, like for those people that watch lost and they're just like, well, shoot, there's a lot of stuff going on here and we're going to parse this out over like six or seven seasons, except with this, they don't get like six to seven seasons worth of comic books to give you. They give you, I don't know, three more issues and everything seems rushed. I don't know if I like that. I had really <laughs> high hopes coming into this book just because of those, and I'll say it, some of the most gorgeous covers I've seen in the probably 25 years. Like, oh my God, these covers look so tremendous. Captain and, America rides a flying lion. Right, and, and, and then issue two, Spider-Man is like ripped mask underneath the water, like stabbing an octopus and saving some. Yeah. And then and then by issue three, you've got Black Widow on the moon with one of those like classic 1930s rockets in the background. Every single cover. They, it, they really reminded me of the the old classic Alfredo Acala covers from like um, Savage Sword of Conan. I mean, oh, yeah. that's that that sort of fantasy pa- i mean they're all painted we have to say that they're 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 painted covers yeah the frank frazetta the like and the old sci-fi like there's just so much going on in all these covers they yeah. are beautiful works of art for sure right what it reminded me a lot of was the the old issues of marvel fanfare do you remember those great covers they used to have like all kinds of awesome people that used to draw the covers for just marvel fanfare like issue one i remember growing up and seeing i think it's like sauron the dinosaur oh yeah he's got spider-man and his clutches and it's all done by um Michael, so Michael okay. Golden, and, and even the interiors are Michael Golden, and it's just gorgeous to look at. I don't know. That's what it reminded me of. It's kind of like crazy, you know, non-continuity stuff. And you know, if you remember, you know, those those issues that I'm, I'm talking about, they all happen in the Savage Land, which is pretty much the same thing as what you're kind of getting here in this amazing fantasy, like kind of like a crazy high fantasy place where. You know, people don't have to be the traditional superheroes that we know. Captain America gets to be He-Man. Yeah. Well, no, I was actually going to say the covers reminded me more so of the old EC comics. The the Wally Wood and the Steve Ditko, like the weird classic, like sci-fi covers and like the stuff that predated the superheroes. And we always talk about how the Marvel movies are all about taking superheroes and dumping them in a genre. I feel like this was the opposite. So what you're trying to say, instead of putting the superheroes in a genre, they put a genre in the superheroes. Yeah. 
That makes well, sense. No, it doesn't. Same as this. <laughs> but they, but you still get a little bit of the flavor for you know for those folks that might be a little bit like, well, what's this really all about? Like, I mean, you get do get a Spider Man that's a Spider Man. Like he does use web spinners at, at times. There's an awesome scene where he like grabs some lady and then web swings onto a, the back of a dragon. Like you get Captain America still throwing his shield at folks, which is pretty cool. And but, and, but instead he's got a beard and everyone's like. All of his body hair moved up to his face. <laughs> All the ladies are swooning. Yes. And, uh, and and then you get a Black Widow who's, you know, eventually she puts on her spy gear and, like, starts trying to assassinate people, which is pretty cool. And, and, and Storm is just kind of there. Right. Well, she's there. <laughs> she's got binoculars from the moon. But at the same time, like, even though you get some of these, these classic characters kind of doing some classic things in, like, a fantasy trope, boy... I, again, I'll, I'll go back to it. The internal mythology of this island place seemed very confusing. Too confusing. And I, I, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts. Do you think it was too convoluted like I did? I appreciated the setup, them getting to the island. Uh, and then when they were there, it was kind of, I felt it was not dissimilar to Lost. Where they set all these things in motion and then they forgot how they got them in motion and so they had to tie them up into a nice bow at the end, maybe a little bit too quickly. So the setups were better. I thought when they brought all the stories together and all the different characters, because they were existing without each other, uh, when they put them all on the battlefield, I felt that they were missing a couple of chess pieces. (laughs) By the time Uh, they all got together, it seemed like they, they just hit fast forward and they're like, okay, everybody get someone to smooch. Ready, go. And then everybody's yes. going to do this. Ready, go. This guy's a bad guy now. And then, no, he's, this other guy's a bad guy. Wait, you don't know the real bad guy. The real bad guy is you. Ah! <laughs> yes, yes. But one thing that I did like about the setup, I don't know if you noticed this or picked up on it, is that when they're telling the story like Cap in World War II or Spider-Man early in his career or Black Widow in the Red Room, the art changes. So the Cap story in World War II, like yes. it's a 1940s book. And then Spider-Man is like 1960s and it's really vibrant art. And then uh, Black Widow in Red Room is like a bit more modern in watercolors and pastels. It, yeah, you, you're definitely right. that I immediately picked up on that. And it's and again, it's different than anything else that's on the island. Once they get to the island, everybody's kind of drawn the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's... Uh... That was actually something where I kind of exposed uh, my comic habits a little bit because when this series came out, and I do this a lot of times, where I'll read the first two issues and like if they're good, I'd be like, yeah, 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 I'm just going to buy the rest. I'll read them when they're done. I had read the first issue that had those art changes, and I was like, oh, that's really awesome. And I had read the second issue where they're on the island and there's all that set up, and I'm like, this is really intriguing. You've got Spider-Man flying on dragons. You've got Cap flying on the lion thing. You've got Black Widow as you know in the royal castle. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And then I put it down. The, the problem, I guess, was just there was such a severe drop-off between the promise of the story and you know the cool artifice of the covers. But you know it's one of those things where we, we'll often talk about how Brian Bendis has a hard time sticking the landings. Yes. Like, this was nowhere close to a landing. This just ended as like a giant crash where everything just blew up. Right. Well, I just think this is one of those those books where there are just too many ideas. 
good ideas. I'm I'm not going to fault this book for not being original and taking big swings, right? This yeah. is a book where I can say the creator, Kari Andrews, took huge swings. He went up to that plate and he was like, throw me your fastball. And sometimes he connected and they went out of the park. But other times, no, they didn't. And it, it, again, I think it was just too much. The more important of the three characters ended up being Spider-Man. Like you brought Captain America there, but he ends up being an afterthought by the end. Black Widow ends up being an afterthought by the end. It ends up being a Spider-Man story. Storm and I, was an afterthought the entire time. That's right. At least she got a cover. <laughs> but that's. But do you guys agree? Like at the end, it just ended up being like the Spider-Man Uncle Ben storyline. Because I feel like it was one of the ones that was like, yeah, there's some emotional tones to that one. And it's the only one that would resonate with like a fan right off the street, right? Like everybody knows about Uncle Ben dying and Peter Parker's guilt and all that stuff. So to have that be the emotional focus, but at the same time, like there were other characters, right? Like, Spider-Man was just one of the three stories and like, that's the only one that got payoff. And even that I equate it to the DC movies where like there's an Uncle Ben in here and there's a really great scene where he's talking to Spider-Man about how he had a book when he was younger, but the pages were falling out of the book. And so he was just making up the story in his own, in his own mind. And then years later, his dad, you know, bought him a, a brand new copy of that book. And he started to read. It's like, wait a minute, the stories in my mind are different. They're actually kind of better. And like, Oh, that was really neat. As he was talking about, you know, how his memories are starting to fade and, you know, he doesn't know what's real or what's not like that seemed like real uncle Ben. And then everything else wasn't. <laughs> and so they, they take a character that like I enjoy and care about, and they'll have one hook that's really good, like uh, the Batfleck Batman. I really enjoyed the look of Batfleck Batman. I really enjoyed Ben Affleck as Batman, even. But then everything else about the character was just off. And that's how I felt here with Uncle Ben. And then by the time we get to the end, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, to your point, Chad, I think there were other characters that I kind of felt like. I think I think this was a very enjoyable Spider-Man for the first couple of issues. I right. like the fact that he was, you know, that 18, 19-year-old Spider-Man and some hot blonde is taking an interest in him. And, of course, he's just like, yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm all about this. And the, and the Captain America character. I think Captain America just being able to shed, I don't know, the trappings of anything and just being like, look, no, I just get to stand up for the little guy and try to unite these tribes and stuff and just kind of be Tarzan for a little bit. I thought that was kind of cool. And, and, and Black Widow being a part of like palace intrigue They make the comment about the Russian princess. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, like that's all wonderful stuff. And it's like issue four or five and things just like start. It's like a ball of string that just you just drop down a, a flight of stairs and you just saw unravel in front of you. And you're like, what? What? No. Like, what? why? Why did they all have to be dead? That wasn't even necessary. Like, oh, I don't know. I, I could on, get that like, they're all dead. That, but it what threw me was at the end where, like, America dies, everyone dies. And then they come back as zombies into the zombie army. I was just like, huh? Okay. Yes. You lost me. I got lost. Right. <laughs> like. You're dead already, but now you're dead a second time, yeah. and it's zombie army. <laughs> it's one idea too many. I, I was trying to actually make sense of this world. I was just like, so is the the king is like he's red, 
So that mean like he's like the son of the devil? Like was the devil the original king and like yeah, I, I, was thinking, and I was just like yeah, and it was like is the king Mephisto? Is is that what we're gonna get? Are we gonna get a Mephisto reveal? We never got one. I was just, I was I really felt it was it was it was like the comic equivalent of Lost. You get invested early on. Every week this island is changing things a bit, and then at the end you're like, huh? Yeah. Really? That's like, the payoff? And even at the end. They have Wolverine show up. It's major spoiler for folks. It may be time to figure out what's going on here. And I'm just like, when is this happening? Yes, I forgot about that. What's what's with Wolverine? Because he shows up as a dead zombie to kill Captain America a third time or a second time. I lost track. And then when when everyone's back to hunky dory and Uncle Ben's walking around again in his uh, island man beard and huge barrel chest. Maybe we need to talk about that too. That all the men were like six foot five, barrel chested, and all the all the ladies were like five foot two and shaped like nymphs. That's well, not called amazing fantasy for nothing. Exactly. <laughs> you you were the one that commented this was just like Conan from the seventies. Like, I, did you ever see anybody in those comics that wasn't chiseled as hell? Like, nah, it just doesn't happen. That's what we get. With this, and again, my my problem is not with the art. My problem is not with any of the character designs. I love the fact that they went to the moon, and the person that lives on the moon with Storm looks like Ming the Merciless. Did anybody else pick that up? It looks like Ming the Merciless from the the Flash Gordon '80s movie. Like, and I was just like, yes, give me more of this. But the <laughs> plot, I am very conflicted this week. Very conflicted. I don't know what my rating is going to be. Yeah, they killed America halfway through. <laughs> And then they had, like, Captain America again in a fetal position. And he was just like, America's dead. And I was just like, no! No! What is this? Anyways, <laughs> what it is, is our rating section. It's coming up right after these commercial breaks. So stay tuned for more talk about Amazing Fantasy. Did we like it? Did we not? We'll see. We all say how busy we are. There aren't enough hours in a day. We just need a break from the constant madness that plagues our lives. I've got great news for you. This is Microbreak, a podcast for humans with the attention span of a goldfish, where I share my thoughts, wisdom, and humor on a wide range of topics, including the 80s, 90s, current affairs, and more. Do you deserve a break today? Of course you do. Take a Microbreak from the madness with me. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. We are Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Join us each week as we dive into the depths of streaming movies for the greater good. You can find us on Twitter at Cheap Seat Cast, Facebook.com slash Cheap Seat Reviews, and our website is CheapSeatReviews.Libsyn.com. All for the greater good. How can this be for the greater good? Shut it! All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. It is now time for our ratings, where, uh, as fantastical as it is, we give you a rating every single week on the comic book that we've reviewed. And we think it's fair to all of those creators that don't listen to our show. (laughs) We hope they do, but I, I don't know. Anyways, Jay is nice enough to give us a one out of four scale that kind of coincides with the theme of today's book. What is uh, our scale for this week? One out of four painted covers. Ooh. Ooh. There is nothing better than a painted cover. 
I really do think that, like, anytime you see that in comic books, you're like, chef's kiss. Give me some more of that. That's true artists when they can do the paints. But we'll start off with Chad because he was the one that kind of first said, yeah, we should do this. And then was like, I didn't read the rest. Now you're at the rest. What do you think? How many pages? Oh, this is this is a challenge. No, the first two issues are great. The the promise of this story was really fun. Seeing Spider-Man ride on dragons. There are all these little things that it's like, oh, there were boxes they wanted to check, and they checked those boxes. But unfortunately, they ended up doing it in a really convoluted way, and they really missed the landing here on this one. And so. I'm going to go with two out of four painted covers. The painted covers are beautiful, but it's a swing and a miss. It was a big swing, but uh, at the end of the day, big miss. Hi, J.A., what do you say? If I could rate it on covers alone, it would be like five out of four covers. Because there's five covers. (laughs) Like what I did there. But I do. I can't, unfortunately. I've got to rate it on, on the stuff inside, too. And like Chad... The first two issues, and, and actually, the first two and a half issues were really good. Right about up to the time that that baby got the spear chucked through him, yeah. Captain America's baby died. After that, they kind of lost me. His cat wife girl was like, oh, you got our baby killed. What is up with like Captain America going to these places and finding like surrogate kids and being like, yeah, yeah, you're my, now you're my son here. <laughs> like, cause he does that with the Rick Remender, uh, Captain America book too. He finds some orphan kid and he's like, yes, I will adopt this kid and his sexy mom. Yeah, you know, I, I think it, 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 maybe it's a stand in like they did in old Hollywood movies, you know, pre code stuff. Anytime someone's smoking, oh, they just had, they just got it on. That, so it's, it's the stand in for sex. <laughs> yes, Is adopting that- a child that's not yours, that's the stand in for I just had sex with your mom. <laughs> Is there something similar going on with Black Widow where her, her husband is the horseman? Yes. With the horse bottoms, but the man top. Well, you know what they say about horses. <laughs> How do I follow on with the centurion? <laughs> you, you've, you've backed me into a horse stall here. <laughs> Sorry. I, so, I, I don't want to just repeat what Chad said, but I'm going to. It's a two out of four for me. The setup was great. The payoff, not so much. It got a bit convoluted uh, at the end. And I totally had forgotten until you brought it up, that whole late turn by Wolverine out of nowhere. Too many things going on. And yet, at the same time, the stuff that they had set up, they didn't go into enough depth with. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to give it a little bit higher than both of you. I I think it's going to be a 2.75, closer to a 3 for me, just simply because this art is great. The, The covers, again, as I mentioned, probably some of the best covers I've seen in like, I don't know, 25 years. They are gorgeous covers. And the interior art is really good. Like, if you can just forget all the word bubbles and just look at the art, and I think that's why you get it in treasury format, so you can just look at these great art in large panels, because I think that works. But you're right, like, going into this, I thought this was going to be the equivalent of some of the great books that have come out of DC's Black Label, right? Like, I commented on a previous show how, like, Marvel doesn't have, like, a Black Label right now. They don't have, like, these what-if stories that happen other places where they just get to play with all the characters. I thought that's what this was going to be. It was not. Mm. 
it was not the the same quality of something like Wonder Woman Dead Earth, which we gave a four out of four last year. You know, maybe some of the Tom King series you get more issues, but that's not the fault of this. Marvel should have given this guy more issues. I would have loved to seen this as a 12 issue maxi, because I think with 12 issues, you could have got a successful story from beginning to end. Maybe you could have got all these ideas expounded upon the good ones and the bad ones and, and whatever. Maybe it wouldn't have seemed so rushed. But with five, I, I don't know, by issue four, you were just like, all right, we, we just got to wrap this up. This is great, but where are we going with this? And and, when they, and they had to do it. And even at the end, they still didn't know what they were doing at that. So 2.75, it's still really good art. And you know, this is the first I've ever read from this particular creator, and he's doing fun stuff. It's just I hope the next swing is more of a hit. Have you not checked out Spider-Man Rain? I have not checked out Spider-Man Rain, sir. It is Spider-Man circa almost a Frank Miller-esque thing. So, and that's Carrie Andrews does have a really unique viewpoint, but that story was another one where there were some interesting ideas and there were some ideas that just went way off the rails. Like what happens to Mary Jane is very tragic. Um, stupid <laughs> if you've read well, the story you'll know what yeah, i'm talking well, that's about that's why i didn't read it because i i i knew i know what that story's about and it's not really a, a spider-man comic that i want to read so like yeah but he's a big swing guy you can't fault that and the other thing i wanted to mention too is all these points you're bringing up about amazing fantasy they also apply to dark ages which was a tom taylor miniseries marvel just put out they gave him a storyline and it was only six issues. The premise was great. But then by the time you get halfway through, it's like, oh, got to wrap it up. And it's like, I, I don't know if Marvel knows how to do black label style. Let creators have the room to grow. Or if it's the creators themselves, they're like, no, this is six and good. I'm done. Uh, whether it's the creators or whether it's Marvel, I think there's a disservice being done here. Because these are kind of books that, you know, older comic book fans or comic book fans that have been around, people like us on this show, we really like these ideas. We like it when they take characters and do something special or new or different with them. But you do have to have time for the narrative to play out. And this this didn't at all. So one thing that we always like to also do in terms of narratives is give you other ones with our recommendations. Yes, these are other comic books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop today. In addition to Amazing Fantasy in Treasury, well, at least starting tomorrow. And uh, yeah, we like to do a similar book, a current book and a book out of left field. J.A., you've got our current book for this week. What's our current book? So the current book I am recommending is the first six issues are already in a trade. Uh, it's the new Alien book by Marvel. Ooh. So I think they're up to issue 10 or issue 11 now. But the first six issues is a self-contained story arc called Alien Bloodlines. And uh, it, it's very in the theme of the original movies before – or the original two movies, I would say, before – Ridley Scott started making all the weird ones. So you get uh, the Wyland Corporation is very evil, and um, first six issues take place after Aliens, but without assuming Alien 3 didn't happen. Well, they're just erasing Uh, David Fincher. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> Some people would like that. I would. I never liked Alien 3. So this uh, retired colonel who helped bring back an alien baby to a research facility that's orbiting Earth. And then his son is working for some, like, uh, crunchy green protest movement against the corporation. Goes up to the moon and, of course, they're eco-terrorists, but they end up letting out the alien. The colonel has to go back to try to save his son. And at the same time, encounter the, the queen, who it turns out he actually was impregnated with and then they they removed from him and he lived so there's all this kind of you know it's aliens it's it's got all that sort of and painted covers quick read it's a serviceable story if you love aliens if you like the alien movies or you like some of the old dark horse alien books it'll scratch that itch um and it's done by philip k johnson in hyuk lee and salvador la roca okay well, I'll go next with the uh, similar book. And uh, again, one of the things that we got in Amazing Fantasy was kind of sort of a what if story. And it was a what if story that featured Spider-Man. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about another what if Spider-Man book that came out also recently. So again, it's one that you can pick up at your local comic book shop. It's Spider-Man Spider's Shadow. And it was released last year to a lot of fanfare. If you were on our Twitter last year, it was blowing up. Like people were like, oh my God, look at these covers. Uh, it's done by one of our favorites, Chip Zerdesky, Pascal Ferry, uh, doing the illustrations. And it is really uh, a story about what if Spider Man kept the black suit, you know, his alien symbiote suit after Secret Wars instead of asking the Fantastic Four to look at it and then going up to that, uh, that bell tower and removing himself and web of Spider-Man number one, and eventually it going to Eddie Brock. And instead this one, he kind of keeps it. And not only does he try to keep it, but like as a result of that, he ends up punching Hobgoblin in the face and that pisses Hobgoblin off who ends up killing Aunt May. And then Spider-Man just goes off the deep end. Not only is he keeping the costume, but he's just going to kill everybody. He's going to kill Kingpin. He's going to kill the sinister sticks. He's going to kill everybody. Because he's done. He's done being the good guy. He's going to get rid of these villains once and for all. And it ends up being a very interesting story about, in my opinion, what it means to be Spider-Man. Some great scenes between him and Mary Jane, where basically Mary Jane says to him, like, look, you've always had this darkness. You've always been this person that could do these things. But the fact that you always hold back and you don't go over that line, Spider-Man, that's what makes you a real hero. That's what makes you, you know... Uh, everybody that we love. And so at the end of the day, he ends up leading a bunch of people against the Fantastic Four who end up getting the same. Anyways, I don't want to go into a lot of detail. It's a great story from beginning to end. I think like Chip Zdarsky when he wrote uh, Marvel 2-in-1, which was probably one of the best Fantastic Four books I've read in recent memory, I think Chip Zdarsky writes a fantastic Spider-Man. And gets to the heart of why you like Spider-Man as a character. And the fact that the Fantastic Four is also in there, too, that's that's great. And the, the, the art's wonderful. Feels like one of those classic what-if stories that I used to read back in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, except over five issues. So, yeah, you should check it out if you haven't already. Spider's Shadow. It's good. Two cool postscripts on that one. Number one, it's neat that they're doing the what-if stories now as minis. And so you get to see a story play out not just in a single issue but over like four or five and they get to play with those things. And second thing, Chip Zdarsky, if you like his Spider-Man, 
towards the tail end of the Dan Slott era, he took over Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. And that was like a lifeline, keeping me into Spider-Man while I was waiting for Slot to finish up. Like, oh, okay, Dan, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's great stuff. And he has two issues in particular of that series. One where Spider-Man reveals his identity to J. Jonah Jameson. And then his last issue is like his coda about Spider-Man. And it yeah. is just glorious. Well, speaking of that, he J. Jonah Jameson is really good in this Spider-Shadows book, too. Like, he has a turn halfway through, and, you know, that, like, basically, J. Jonah is, like, Peter's surrogate dad. And it makes sense. It actually does. Like, you're like, you know, no, actually, that fits. Uh, that he would look out for Peter once he found out that Spider-Man was Peter. Like, he would be like, no, dude, like, what are you doing? You're my favorite. You're my boy. Right. No, that, <laughs> anyway. that relationship is compelling and rich. And if you want to read more about it, you can go with my pick, Spider-Man, the Lifeline Tablet Saga. <laughs> And the reason I picked it was because Amazing Fantasy did that thing where it plucked some of our favorite characters from varying points in the timeline. And the way this story is set up, it actually continues a story from one of our favorite points in the timeline just 30 years later. And so the trade paperback, they packed it together, contains Amazing Spider-Man 68 to 75, uh, which were by Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. and Jim Mooney and John Bushima. And it pairs that up with a miniseries that came out circa 2001, Spider-Man Lifeline by Fabian Nicienza and uh, Steve the Dude Rude. And basically, if you remember the tablets that the Kingpin was always trying to get yes, uh, to, to bring back his wife, this is the continuation of that story, only it's not just the Kingpin, although he's in here and it's awesome. It also involves Silvermane and all the crime bosses. And in the classic issues, you get people like Quicksilver stopping in. The lizard pops up. Man Mountain Marco's in here. There's just so much great stuff in that old, that classic John Romita style. It's some of the best of the post-Ditco Spidey. But then it picks up 30 years later with that time when uh, Captain Stacy's brother, uh, George Stacy, was there. Uh, which, it's it's of its time from the 2000s. <laughs> but... Uh, it's actually a really fun story. So if you can catch the, the trade out there, it's called Spider-Man, the Lifeline Tablet Saga. It has the Spider-Man Lifeline miniseries and those classic issues of Amazing Spidey. And it's all good stuff. There you go. And also what's good stuff is the last comic shop. And you can make sure that you get our good stuff every single week by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can rate, review, and subscribe to a myriad of podcasters out there, like Apple Podcasts and Google Play and Stitcher and Spotify and whatever. And also lots of stuff like YouTube. We have a link to YouTube on the site, and you want to check us out there often because we've got awesome videos about comic books that we're reviewing in addition to this show and unboxings of action figures and just talks with some uh, fantastic comic book creators that we've had the pleasure of meeting while doing this job. So, yeah, check us out over at that website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. There we go. And... You can find us on the social medias uh, at Last Comic Shop on Twitter and Instagram, where you can find cool stuff like our weekly polls. You can find uh, daily comic book trivia tidbits and Golden Age covers to put you to, to bed at night and stuff we're picking up at the shops along the way and just weird thoughts that pop into our head throughout. 
Like, why are they selling 1970s Amazing Spider-Man from Japan Hot Wheels cars in Target in America in 2022? But they are, and it's awesome. And one other thing that you can do on our on our Twitter is is check out some of our Twitter spaces. Chad and I have been doing a lot of Twitter spaces recently. Some of the recent releases of the Moon Knight episodes. We're thinking about some doing some others. If you have some suggestions for some Twitter spaces that you'd like to see the last comic shop do, maybe a recap of new comic book day pickups. Drop your suggestions to us. We'll put together a Twitter space, and you can join minor league celebrities such as myself, <laughs> Chad Smith, and J. A. Scott for one of these Twitter spaces in future. And if you uh, don't remember those socials, you can always find us on our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find what else, J.A.? Well, we've got a link to our merch store. Um, so whether you're a 6'5", barrel-chested, massive slab of humanity, or a five foot one nymph, we've got loads of shirts that'll fit all sizes. Yes. And we're thinking about getting some new designs out there. So uh, it, it, make sure that you check out our store often. Ooh, for, yes, for the summer season. We're do a, we have to do a summer. Ooh. Yes. Last comic shop, we'll put a surfboard out on the lawn or something. Yeah, yeah. Something a little jaunty. Palm trees. It'll be the last comic shop Philippine edition. Oh, there you go. Very cool. All right. And while we are the last comic shop podcast, we don't want to be the last comic shop. So we encourage everybody to get out there. Find a shop near you where you could find things like Amazing Fantasy by Kari Ramos with Atari Andrews in Treasury Edition form or regular comic edition form. Or maybe you want to check out Spider's Shadow written by Chip Zdarsky. Or maybe you're feeling a little alien. You want to go with Alien Bloodlines, the first trade from that new series. And it does look beautiful. Covers for that are great. The Salah Rook art inside is awesome. Uh, or if you want to go old-timey, Go and check out and see if you can find the Spider-Man Lifeline Tablet Saga trade paperback. But all that and more waits for you at your local comic shop. All right. And until next week, I I was the host of the most, Danny Larson, and I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith. And we hope that you stay safe, stay alive. (laughs) It's always a good thing if you're listening. And remember, you end up washing up on an island somewhere. Just start running, just because nothing good is ever going to happen to you on that beach. I've seen enough of these things. Like, you got to get off that beach as quickly as possible. Like, a dinosaur will attack you or just some sort of mutant monster out of this. No. That's where the ocean the is. The only beach you want to be on is the one with John Candy. <laughs> un- un- that, that, what's that movie in the movie where he, he falls asleep and he gets the sudden burn? Oh, Summer Rental. Yes, oh. thank you. That's a deep there you go. That is a deep That was Candy Beach. The last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.